0: Come and go with me, come and go with me, come and go with me, to Jerusalem, come and go with me Recently I looked after my granddaughter for a week, she's just 15 months old and one day on the way home in the car she was crying inconsolably because she'd had to leave behind a toy that belonged to my friend's daughter To calm her down, I resorted to a secret technique known to many of us who've had anything to do with young children. The wheels on the bus go round and round. It worked like magic. But actually, songs and music can be so helpful in turning our mood around, can't they? Maybe you have particular playlists that you like to listen to, especially when you're on a long journey. Maybe you listen on Spotify or create your own personal radio stations. Or maybe you're an old-fashioned dinosaur like me who still loves to listen to the summer mix that I burned on a couple of CDs many years ago. The technology might be dated, but the music? Timeless. Well during Bible times, while we might not have thought of them as such, the Israelites had their own playlist. And during our current series we've been listening to one of them called the Psalms of Ascent. It's a compilation of 15 songs that the Israelites would have sang on their journeys to Jerusalem each year for the feasts. And we've referred to them as songs for the road. Just think, as they sang these songs, they'd be listening to a playlist about the faithfulness of God. The Psalms are timeless classics written for our encouragement. They point our hearts and our gaze towards God and they're helpful to us on this road called life. Our song for this week is no different. Let's read Psalm 126. When the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert, those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. This psalm falls neatly into two halves. In the first half, the psalmist is looking back and remembering something amazing that God did in the past. The Israelites had been carried off into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. They were forced to live in exile away from their homeland, away from their culture and away from the temple in Jerusalem which was the centre of their worship. And then during the reign of Cyrus they were allowed to return. They couldn't believe it, they thought they were dreaming, they shouted with joy and everybody was talking about the great things that God had done for them. And then in the second half, the psalmist is imploring God to do something marvellous again. It seems that their fortunes have turned and not for the good. The message puts it this way. And now God, do it again. Bring rains to our drought-stricken lives, so those who planted their crops in despair will shout yes at the harvest, so those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with armloads of blessing. Evidently, something in their circumstances had changed because the psalmist is now talking about being drought-stricken, in despair and having heavy hearts. And life is like that, isn't it? We have good times and challenging times, peaks and valleys. In his commentary on the psalms, James Lindbergh makes the point that Psalm 126 comes from a people who are living between the times, between a good time remembered and another good time hoped for. And maybe that's you. You've experienced God's great deliverance in the past when you were first saved, or when God helped you through a desperate situation or a challenging season. But now that fruitfulness and blessing is a distant memory Your circumstances have changed. You feel barren and dry. You're living between the times. Waiting for things to turn around. And maybe you're weary on this journey of faith. Well, take heart. Our circumstances may change, but our God is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. He is faithful to us throughout the whole journey And in Psalm 126, God has given us a song for this section of the road. It's full of hope and practical advice as we wait for God's help and deliverance to come. It encourages us to remember what God has done in the past, to request his help for the days to come. And it ends with a promise that as we sow in tears, we will reap with songs of joy. Remember, request. Weep. When I feel like I'm living in Between the Times, I often remember a time in my life when God brought me out of what felt like exile. While I wasn't carried away to a different land, many of the things that made up my everyday life as I knew it were taken away. In fact, this particular sermon series reminds me of it again and again, as we've seen this picture behind the slides more on that later my years of exile began towards the end of 2011 when our son david left home for college not a bad thing but an adjustment for sure and we missed him terribly then early in 2012 i was betrayed by a close friend who made some spiteful accusations against me and around the same time our dear friend rosa was diagnosed with lung cancer I sat with her each time she underwent chemo and she was doing really well and it looked like she would be okay. Then in the middle of the night, her husband rang me to say the hospital had called and she was fighting for her life. We rushed to her bedside and I held her hand and sang to her in case she could hear me. I prayed over her unconscious body and I was still holding her hand as she passed. The church and the hospital staff were shocked. Nobody expected this to happen. That was a tough start to the year, but that was just the beginning. Because in June, we had plans to visit Gareth's family in Guernsey and my family in Wales to celebrate Rebecca's graduation and 18th birthday. I'm the youngest of six sisters and we planned a big family reunion. As we landed in Guernsey, a little local airport, Gareth went ahead to pick up the rental car while the rest of us waited for the bags. As soon as I saw him, I knew that something was horribly wrong and he gently told me that my sister Leslie had died. She was 59, the age I am now. Our celebration turned into a wake. I was shell-shocked returning from that trip and I was numb when just a week later we said goodbye to the lanes, our dear family friends. Jason had lived with us before they were married and our children loved them. I'd held their son Christian when he was a newborn and we had a special bond. And now they were moving away just before Rebecca was leaving for college. We were saying a lot of hard goodbyes. Well, that fall we went to a conference in Turkey and we had a great time and I thought surely This is the start of the new season. But on our return, we experienced some of the most challenging times that we've ever faced with regard to pastoral situations in the church. It almost broke us all. The implications were so far reaching for our little church plant. Not surprisingly, I really needed a break. So I made plans to go back to visit my family in the December and maybe do a little Christmas shopping for some of our British treats to cheer us up. But just weeks before I was due to leave, my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. When I landed at the airport, I went straight to the hospital and was there when she woke up from her surgery. I was so glad to wave bye to 2012. Surely 2013 would be better. And then in the February, Gareth's mother fell and broke her hip. Whew, it was such a challenging and dark season, and we weren't through it as spring approached, and this spring was meant to be a special one. Because years before, my friend Laura and I had made a promise to each other that the first spring that all of our kids were in college that we would go to Wales together. It happened to coincide with my upcoming 50th birthday. And I'll be honest, I really didn't feel like celebrating, but we went and God showed up and spoke to me in amazing ways. Our plan on one of the days was to climb Penavan, which is the highest mountain in South Wales and is part of a range of mountains called the Brecon Beacons. It literally means top of this place and that is the day that I think about every time I see this slide of people starting to climb. I'd never actually climbed Penavan before and at the time my niece volunteered for mountain rescue so I asked for some advice. She told us to be prepared with clothing and supplies and to watch out for the weather which could quickly turn. She told us stories of people who needed rescuing just because they weren't prepared and she made it clear that she didn't want me to be one of those chumps. We set off with her warnings ringing in our ears. Well I had a nasty cough and as we climbed I was struggling to keep going because I just couldn't quite catch my breath. I was relieved when we approached what looked like it might be the summit but my heart sank as I realised it was just another plateau. There was still a distance to go and the mist was rolling in. I wondered whether to keep going. I didn't know if I could make it. Well at that moment three young men seemed to like materialise through the mist and after we'd greeted one another one of them looked directly at me and said, what are you doing? Well I explained my dilemma and he challenged me and he said, oh no, you're going to the top. And when I was hesitant, he repeated himself quite forcefully. His friends were actually a bit embarrassed and they told him, back off. Instead he repeated, no. She's going to the top. He went on to me. You can't give up now, you're so close. You'll be gutted if you don't do it. It's just up and down and up again. Come on, you can do this. I kind of felt I had no choice, but it was the push I needed. And as we continued to climb, they followed us all the way, making sure we were okay. And when we reached the top, they were gone. To this day, I often wonder, were they angels? The view at the top was spectacular. Here we are at the summit. I keep this photo where I can see it to remind me of that day. And at the time, I wrote this in my journal. Talk about a bird's eye view and seeing things from another perspective. When you're in the valley, the mountains are huge. But when you're on top of the mountain, the valleys look so much smaller. I heard you, Lord, whispering to me, keep climbing, you're almost there and the views are spectacular. I've got your back and I've given you climbing companions and kind strangers have encouraged you to continue. I cannot put into words the hope and the faith that flooded my heart that day. It was a turning point for me, I knew that God had broken through the mist and was encouraging me to persevere. And I knew that with God's help, I could conquer the mountains of despair and discouragement that I was facing. Keep climbing, you're almost there and the views are spectacular. I wish I could tell you that right after that day, everything was fine and I was full of joy, but it took time for me to feel better. After the trip, I would still wake up dreading the day ahead and I would cry out to God for help. And just like we were encouraged in today's psalm, I would look back and remember when God had helped me in the past. Like when we'd moved 3,000 miles away and left behind our family and friends and he'd given us new people. And when he'd asked Gareth to leave his job and we'd experience amazing financial provision when it seemed impossible. It seemed that once again he was asking me to walk by faith and not by sight. Keep climbing, in other words persevere. Well what did persevering look like in that season? Well verses 5 and 6 of this psalm offer good advice. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping carrying seed to sow will return with songs of joy carrying sheaves with them life felt so dry and every morning I was asking God to fill me with his spirit and refresh me but I also knew that if I wanted to reap a harvest of joy I had to play my part by keeping on sowing and planting the seed of the Word of God in my life that January I'd had lunch with a friend who told me she was doing a challenge called hundred percent for a hundred days and I decided to devise my own challenge to get me through the day. Mine was very simple. I would wake up and say to God, by faith, I can get up and make my coffee if you will help me. By faith, I'll take my coffee, my Bible and my journal out on the deck if you'll come with me. And then, by faith, I'll pray and read your word and if you speak to me by faith, I'll write in my journal. And at the end of each day, I would thank God that I had made it through another day. And the next day, I would hit repeat. I sort of lived life in 10 to 15 minute segments. I really needed God's help because I felt so weak. But where we are weak, God is strong. But as Ian reminded us, we shouldn't underestimate the spiritual battle that is going on around our lives. When we are in the midst of suffering and struggles, we're vulnerable. And the enemy of ourselves loves to lie to us. Lies about our situation, about our future, and lies about God. And the best way to combat those lies is to listen to God's truth. Meditating on His word is crucial in reminding us not only of who God is, but who we are, and it focuses our gaze on eternity. Another strategy of the enemy, which Gareth shared about last week, is to sow distrust. And that can isolate us from our support networks, from our family and our friends and our church family. And while we do put our trust in God and we find our security in Him, He has given us companions for the climb, fellow pilgrims for the journey. I knew that I wouldn't make it without support, so another part of my 100-day challenge was to respond to every friendly invitation, go to every community group and Sunday meeting, even if I didn't feel like it. Wow, it was a difficult and trying time, but it was so valuable looking back. As John Lanthamon once said, I wouldn't even pay a nickel to go through it again, but I wouldn't trade it for a million dollars. Because you see, during that season, I developed a rich appreciation of the power of God's word. And a deep trust in his faithfulness i learned things about myself too my strengths and my weaknesses and god used my sufferings to humble me and make me more like jesus and in the midst of it all i experienced a closeness to him that i would not trade for anything the climb may be difficult but the view is worth it how did i get to the summit by the grace of God, step by step. I just trusted that if I put my foot forward, that he would give me the breath to keep going. On June the 3rd, 2013, I wrote in my journal, today is a new day. I'm not waking up dreading the day anymore. Truly, if it hadn't been for God, I don't know where I'd be. Ever since that day, I have known without a shadow of a doubt, he's got me. Where are you on the road today? Maybe you feel like you're living in exile and you've never experienced a miracle from God. Or you're in a desperate situation. You really need God to bring you through. He's done it before. You know he can do it again, but you're still waiting. Or maybe like me, life is okay, but you're living between the times. You've seen God do amazing things in the past. You've been through seasons of blessing, but you want God to do it again. Or maybe you're the one shouting songs of joy, head thrown back laughing. Life is so good that you feel like you must be dreaming. Well, your story of deliverance can be a source of hope and encouragement for others. As we came back down the mountain, We were laughing and joking. We were giddy with excitement that we'd made it to the top. As we came down on the descent, we were the ones offering encouragement to others who were still climbing to the summit. We knew that if we could make it, so could they. Wherever we are on the road, let's remember what God has done in the past. Let's request his help for the coming days And let's believe his promise that we will reap a harvest of joy now i do realize that dealing with a difficult season is not as simple as singing the wheels on the bus but god has given us powerful songs for the road to encourage us and wherever we are on the road we can tune in and listen as we meditate on the psalms reading them chanting them out loud and following the advice that they offer they will really benefit our mental and spiritual health. In his book Hardwiring Happiness Rick Hansen makes this point. Whether you're doing it simply to feel good or to meet a challenge, being able to self-activate useful states of mind to get the song playing that you want on your inner radio station is fundamental to psychological healing, everyday well-being and effectiveness, personal growth and spiritual practice. I want my inner radio station and every playlist that I listen to to be full of God's truth. I want to sing songs that tell of his great deeds and his faithfulness. I want to hear how he's helped you and I want to tell you how he's helped me. I want everybody to know how great our God is. So let's remember what he's done. Consider starting a journal and write down your stories of God helping you or speaking to you. And tell your God stories to other people. And if you don't have any personal stories yet, borrow a few from the Bible or from a fellow pilgrim. That's why it's so great when we discuss God's word together in community group. We've heard some great stories in our group recently Because testimonies are so powerful, aren't they? So be eager to share your testimony whenever you can. Those stories point us to God, our Deliverer. They remind us of His goodness, His faithfulness, and His power. And as we remember, we are filled with faith and hope to ask God to do it again. So pray for God's help for you. Pray for God's help for others and while you're waiting for the harvest keep sowing keep reading keep listening keep singing keep trusting keep asking god is faithful he will not abandon you on your journey in the may of that year god did something that was amazing to me he opened up a job opportunity for old friends to move to the usa friends that we had history with Debbie had looked after David as I gave birth to Rebecca. We'd vacationed together, started a new community group together, and Debbie and I had run a play group together. And a hallmark of our friendship was that we loved to laugh and have fun. They were friends who were like family. Well, the interview process began in May and by the end of the summer, they were living in the same town, fully involved in our lives and in the life of the church. Somehow the exile was over. It seemed like a dream, too good to be true. We laughed, we sang, and we couldn't believe our good fortune. So now God, do it again. Bring rains to our drought-stricken lives so that those who planted their crops in despair will shout yes at the harvest so that those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with armloads of blessing. Take heart, God has done it in the past and he will do it again. The harvest of joy is coming. What the Lord has done.